0: Good morning, everyone. Mm. Uh, that's uh, should be the desire of our every day, shouldn't it? Lord, don't let this be a wasted day. Don't let this be a wa- wouldn't it be great? Don't let this be a wasted hour, a wasted hour, a wasted minute, a wasted moment. Because we believe that Jesus is Lord, don't we? He's Lord of our lives of our circumstances. He's Lord of our every moment and you know every moment that you have breath upon this planet there is purpose to it. That's what God tells me in his word and that's what his spirit speaks to my spirit as his spirit speaks to your spirit you are here with purpose with divine purpose and we need to find it don't we every single day as we surrender to him as we allow ourselves to be moved along by the unction of God's spirit by the power of his word at work within our hearts and and as we recognise that he is a holy God that he is a pure God that he is a God of righteousness we recognise those things it's not hard to see him it's not hard to choose his way, to choose holiness, to choose righteousness, to choose to be a servant, to choose to be a lifter up of our brothers and sisters, to be someone who doesn't look down, but someone who looks upon, even as Jesus looked upon us. Remember how he looked upon us? He looked us as, looked upon us as sheep without a shepherd, you know? And uh, it was that hard that I believe is in the child of God because the Son of God is in us. Isn't that right? Yeah. Um, so, great, wonderful prayer. Let's not waste it, hey? Let's not waste this, this life that God has given us, this moment in time and space, to be his hands and his feet, and I'm struggling with a staple. There it is. <laughs> hey, who enjoyed last night? Yeah. Yeah, wasn't that great? That was a great night. It was wonderful. The um, thing I loved, of course, were the testimonies that were shared and um, they were um, you know they, they were powerful they really were. Hear those guys speak about um, their experience in christ and the, and the questions that they were asked thought they were wonderful you know, you know what, what, uh, what was what was who were you before christ what what, was, um, what, what changed in you? What brought you to Christ? What was your baptism like? And, and how did it feel that day? And, and what happened since then? All those questions, you know? And we saw this wonderful, this incredible work of Christ happening. And you know what I loved about every single answer that came, every single person that spoke, what I heard was, was um, I just want to serve him more, you know? And I was going home from here. Um, going home from here last night and my mind was taken to Philippians chapter 3. And so I thought this morning we would pause at Philippians chapter 3. So if you want to go there to verse 10. And uh, as you're making your way there, um, um, has anybody ever run out of petrol? Anybody? Has anybody ever run out of petrol going somewhere? Has anybody ever run out of petrol going home? on the way home, yeah? Because that's when you run out of petrol, right? On the way home. And you go, ah, now I've got to walk, right? But has anybody ever run out of petrol in their driveway on the way home? That was me last night. It was, uh, it was brilliant. <laughs> got to the top of my driveway, <laughs> it would not go, so there it sits. <laughs> oh. Oh, he, hes always there, isn't he? Yeah. All right. Um, yeah. Those the, again. Uh, just, just listening to those guys. There is an. There's an image that I often draw upon, and you've heard me draw upon it before. And that is, we don't want to remain the same, do we? You know, the person we were last year is not the person we want to be wanted to be this year, and the person we are this year right now is not the person we we want to be next year, right? you know there's a process taking on we are a people in process god is at work within our lives and and the day will come or the moment will come when we will stand before him perfect as he will present us in you know he will present us to his father and we will be glorified that's a process isn't it here's the image i often use and you've heard me say it before and that is that we are as a painting and uh, and, and God is constantly adding to the picture, he's constantly adding to the scenery, he's constantly adding to the image brightness and all these sorts of things. And, his, and, and the thing that I often look at is that we are a painting that is either on the wall that is completed or we are a painting that is on the easel. The, wall, the painting that is on the easel is in process, there is much to be done, it's still going. But the painting that finds itself on the wall is finished, it's finished. It's finished. Thing is, I don't ever want to be in this life the painting on the wall, right? You know, we we don't want to be that. We don't want to be on the wall. We want to be on the easel where the master painter is at work. He is working and constantly adding to who we are, who he wants us to be. The Apostle Paul, I believe, when he speaks in Philippians chapter 3 and verse 10, is a man that is on the easel is a man who is being worked upon by by the Spirit of God, by the Word of God, by the power of God, and he is not satisfied. That's what I'm trying to say. That's what I heard from all those guys that were sharing their testimonies last night. They weren't satisfied because they knew that God wasn't finished. There was much to be done. There was much land yet to be taken for the kingdom in their lives, and it was powerful to sit there and listen to it last night. So this is what the Apostle Paul said. It's a classic verse. We know it so well. He says that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being made conformable unto his death. Now, again, when we look at this, we need to be reminded that when Paul expressed this passion, he had walked with the Lord for some 30 years when he said these things. This is the man whom Jesus appeared to. Think about it. This is the man whom Jesus appeared to on the road to Damascus. The man that heard personally from the Lord so many times. The same man that the power of God, who the power of God was exercised through his hands. Time and time and time again. It's the same man that is saying, I want to know him. You know? And it's in a continuous tense in the language. This is what Paul is saying. This is what I heard last night. This is what Paul is saying. I am not complete. I need to continue in knowing who he really is. You see, it's such a tragic thing when you look at my image. It's such a tragic thing when the painting leaves the easel and goes on the wall. And that's because there is always, always so much to discover in our relationship and in, of intimacy with Jesus Christ. Right now, as I stand before you, I am 57 years old. Am I? I think I am. Yeah, um... It's funny, I remember when my mum got to be 35, I can, she was 35 for about 15 years, never changed in my eyes, and I wonder sometimes when I say 57, way past 35, isn't it? Anyway, I digress, don't I? But right now, I have a relationship with Jesus Christ that has been 57 years in the making. Okay, sure, I didn't get to meet Christ personally until I was 25. But there were things that were going on. Now we see in hindsight, don't we? That God was always there because the Bible tells us He chose us before the foundation of this world were laid. God was always preparing a path, He was setting a course. And I was on my way to that 25th year when, in January of that year, I met Him personally. I met Him personally, you know. And now for 25 years, I've been following Him. And right now, I have a what's the month? That's how sharp I am. It's October. Right now, I have an October 2019 experience with Jesus Christ. And that needs to keep growing. That needs to keep changing. Next year, if I've still got a 2019 October experience, then things have not gone well. It needs to be a 2020 October relationship, doesn't it? There needs to be a constant longing within me. There needs to be a constant thirsting for a greater measure of his presence within my life. That's what I heard last night in these guys. He says, I want to know him. Now, how does that happen? How does that practically take place within our lives? And again, I heard all of this last night. Because God has chosen to reveal himself through his word. He's chosen to reveal his nature, his character. And clearly it is revealed in the Bible, isn't it? And as you and I (coughs) seek him, we realize that we cannot know him apart from it. You see, if we reject or if we neglect God's revelation of himself, then we can never, ever know him intimately. We can never experience him according to the knowledge of who he really is. That's what I want. Do you agree? A growing, experiential knowledge of Jesus Christ where every day he is manifest to me in a clearer and clearer way. Do you believe he will do that? I hope you do. Because that's what, that's what this is about. It's a bit like marriage. It really is, you know. If you don't take the time to learn, and you know this, guys, if you don't take the time to learn who your spouse really is, if you don't, if you don't, if you don't talk, if you don't listen, If you don't take the time to understand and explore with them their desires, their passions, their heart, then you might know who they are, but you will never really know them. And there are people who know God, but they don't know Him. Do you know what I'm saying? You know, they don't really experience him in their lives. He may be an intellectual, it may be an intellectual asset or understanding of him. It may be according to creeds and, and, and things that they've learnt, you know. It may be a black and white, this is it. But what we need is something more akin to an Appetite. Not just knowledge, not just understanding, but an appetite for Jesus. Remember what he said on the Sermon on the Mount? He said, blessed are they that do what? They hunger and they thirst after righteousness. And what's the promise? They shall be filled. Blessed are they that hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. There is an appetite, there is a desire, there is a thirsting. Think about it, I can, hear, I, can hear, I can hear a little baby, I can see a few little babies. It's good, you'll know what I'm talking about. Think about feeding a baby, think about it. When a baby is hungry, um, does it, now I've asked you this before, I know, but when a baby is hungry in the middle of the night, does it get up and does it toddle down the hallway to your bedroom and knock on your door and wait for you to answer? And does the baby then say, Mother, Father, would you mind rising to prepare my bottle and feed me? No? I don't believe that's ever happened because that's not how I remember that it went. In fact, it was nothing like that. What did they do? They woke. They were hungry. They screamed. They cried for it, you know. They scream until you arrive with what well, they know that you, what well, they know that you know that they need. Right? It's called demand feeding. We call it. And here's the whole point of that analogy. That I know it does fail, but here's the point: um, God is never going to force feed you. That's not who He is. You have to want to be fed. You, you have to want to cry out to God. This is how we develop an appetite. You have to want to cry out to God. You have to be hungry for God to feed you, knowing that he knows what it is that you need. We see it in all of the greats in the Bible. You know, Moses was somebody who hungered after God, wasn't he? He knew this hunger. He knew this thirsting. You think about Moses after he, what he saw and what he experienced after the incredible, incredible works that God did through him to deliver, to deliver the children of Israel out of bondage and after experiencing God's power, like Paul even, after experiencing God's power moving through his hands. Again, think about it. He stood on the shore of the sea. He stretched forth his hands towards the sea and the waters parted before him. He struck the rock of Horeb and what came out? Water came gushing out of it. He met God. He stood on Sinai and he met face to face with God and God spoke to him and he received the commandments of God. Moses had known all of this and so, so much more. And then we hear his cry the cry of his heart after all of that. You can read it in Exodus chapter 33 and verse 13 where he says, I have found grace in your sight, Lord. Show me your way that I might know you. Think about it. I have found grace in your sight, Lord. Now show me your way that I might know you. Isn't that what Paul is saying? I just want to know you, Lord. It doesn't matter where I've been. It doesn't matter what my experience has been in God. I still need more of who God is. All the great saints of God have this same characteristic. It wasn't their background. It had nothing to do with their lineage. It had nothing to do with their upbringing or their, or their environment around them. It was simply a hungry cry. I want to know you, Lord. And that can be the cry for every single one of us. David was the same, wasn't he? You know that most famous of Psalms, Psalm 42? As a deer pants for the water brooks, what does he say? So does my soul thirst after you, O God. It's the same cry, I want to know you. I want to know you. Do you have it? Do you hunger to know him? Let me tell you, and I've got to say this, there are some people that don't. There really are. And they don't. You know why? Because their appetites are somewhere else. They're finished, in a sense, pursuing God. They're like that piece of artwork that is on the wall. Everything is down pat. They've got all the answers. There is no growing appetite for God, but there is an appetite for other things. Think about it, you know? They have a longing, we say, for things of, well, the foods of this world. And I'm sure you don't need me to say that this morning. Because look at the world. What is it feeding on? Well, it's feeding on greed. It's feeding on selfish desires, isn't it? That's pretty much it. The thing is, we are all hungry for something all of us the passion of our heart right now every single one of you sitting in this room the passion of your heart is feeding somewhere and each of us in the honesty of our own hearts each of us know what it is that we are really consuming what it is we're really feeding us what and well let me start another one anyway each of us We really know what it is that is really consuming us. Isn't that right? Each one of us knows whether or not our appetite is really to know Jesus and to know him more intimately today. I don't want to say it. I do want to say it again. That's what I heard last night, you know. I heard people say when they were asked the question... You know, since you got baptised, how have things changed? What have been the pivotal moments in your life? They all said the same thing. I want to know Jesus. I want to serve Jesus. I want to be able to tell people about Jesus. I heard that a couple of times, you know. know, Here's the thing. If that's not there, and again, I've got to say this. If that's not there, then Christian... You need to change the table that you're dining at. Do you understand that? You need to spend time in his presence crying out to him because I promise you, if you do... What you will taste of him will only ye leave you longing for, wanting more and more of the knowledge of his love and his grace and his mercy. And you will desire to be filled. You will hunger, you will thirst after righteousness and you will be filled. That's what Jesus was saying. It's a circular thing. The more you hunger for, the more you will receive. But the more you will receive of God, the more you will want. That's appetite. Appetite. That's desire. That's why you can sit down with a beautiful cheesecake and feel your safe self to the point where you've got to loosen your belt because you're so full and you, can, and you can't fit any more in. You don't say, no, 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 enough. And, you're, and you're, you're, your friend comes along and says, there's more cheesecake. And so you find room for it, don't you? you know, Because there's a desire, there's an appetite and you can get it in there that's what it is, hungering and thirsting. Hungering and thirsting. Um, notice what else he said. He said, I want to know the power of his resurrection. And that's because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That's important, Christian, that you see the resurrection simply beyond an historical event that we need to be convinced of or we have to be convincing other people about that Jesus actually rose from the dead that is true it is an historical event it was true we need to be convinced of the truth of it and we need to be able to convince other people that Jesus actually rose from the dead but more to it than that right more to it it's also the power of God to live the Christian life. It doesn't end at the resurrection, does it? You know, it's the power to free us from sin's grip. It's the power to produce Christ's likeness within our own lives. And that should be our desire, shouldn't it? Lord, I want to know you in a deeper way. Lord, I want to be free from the things that ensnare me. I want to be free from those sins that capture my life. Lord, I want your image to be what people see when they look at me. Amen. Yeah. Right? That's the cry. That's why the Apostle Paul also cried out in Romans chapter 7. We looked at this in the Bible study last week, where he cried out, Who will he, wretched man that I am, remember? Who will deliver me from this body of death? He saw, this is what Paul saw, he saw through experience that he couldn't do it himself. You go back into Romans chapter 7, it's the most frustrating chapter in the Bible. It really is. Paul going, you know, the things that I do... Or don't want to do, what do I do? I do them, and the things that I want to do, I find myself not doing them. And he's talking about the internal struggle. He says the same thing in Galatians, the internal struggle between the old flesh nature and the new nature of Christ that resides within us. You know, and it's it's that that agonized, desperate cry back in Romans. Which is really the heart of what he's saying to the Philippians, that agonized, desperate cry that concedes, I really, Lord, I just can't do this myself. And that's the answer. That's how it comes out. Who's gonna deliver me? Who will deliver me? And if the answer has to be Christ, doesn't it? The answer is Christ. Jesus. You know, the same power that raised Jesus from the dead is available for every single one of us to give us victory over, our, over the struggling lives that we may have and victory over the sin that so easily ensnares us. The Bible says in Galatians, if you will walk in the Spirit. Did you notice there's a if there? He's talking to believers. If you will walk in the Spirit, you will not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. So we have a choice, don't we? We have a choice to establish this desire. And that's why we are commanded, again in Ephesians, to be continually, chapter 5, to be continually filled with the Spirit of God, with the Holy Spirit. Let me say something here. The normal Christian life is to be constantly being filled with the Holy Spirit. That's the normal Christian life. And when I say that, what I'm saying is, that is, as you and I yield our lives, and we yield our wills, as we surrender ourselves to God, He fills us. The simplest way of saying it is, as we choose to do things God's way, He empowers us to live the Christian life. That's the simplest way of saying it. As we choose to do things God's way, he empowers us to live the Christian life. Truly awesome, isn't it? It's an awesome thing. Why? Because it's Jesus Christ living in you. It's Jesus Christ living through you. Empty yourself of this world and God will fill yourself, you, with his power to do his will, to live his life through you. That's the highest possible call for any human being. The highest possible call upon your life. Paul says, I want a personal, intimate, powerful experience with Christ. And that is something that every single one of us in this room can get on board with isn't that right every single one of us you'd love to finish there wouldn't you but Paul isn't done there because he now continues on I want to know him I want to know the power of his resurrection and I also want to know the fellowship of his sufferings see that can make some people uncomfortable when they read that right because right now, have you been in the shops lately? Have you been in the shops? What's appeared? What's appeared? It's there, isn't it? Christmas is there. It's appeared in the, sh- in the shops, you know. And pretty, lo- pretty soon, Christmas is going to come and the new year is going to be upon us and we're going to be looking at one another and we're going to be wishing one another a prosperous new year, you know? Aren't we? We are. It's coming so fast, you know. But what if I said this, I wish you a Merry Christmas, I know it's too early, but I wish you a Merry Christmas and the fellowship of his sufferings. How does it resonate with you? Does that jingle bell you, Get, get you going, you know? It doesn't really bring a festive jingle in a lot of people's thinking, but you stop and you wait a minute because maybe it does, maybe it really does what Paul is saying here, what he's saying is, it's it's, it's something every one of us needs to be able to say, you know what Paul is saying he's saying, Lord I want to know you, I want to know the power of your resurrection and Lord I'm ready I'm really, really ready he's saying, I am completely committed to you and I know that's going to bring suffering into my life he's saying, I'm ready Lord Whatever your will brings my way. Here's the truth. Here's the truth. You and I cannot live in this world, make a stand for Jesus Christ and for righteousness without running into somebody. We can't do it. You know why that? It's because everybody else is going in a different direction. If you are living for Jesus Christ and you are living for righteousness, Again, I've said it, I know, this world is really all about greed. It's really all about pride. It's really all about lust. And it's aggressive, aggressive to those that oppose. Jesus said, if any man wants to come after me, what did he say? He said, let him deny himself. Let him take up his cross and do what? Follow me. That's not the world's message. That is not the world's message. Dedicate your life to Christ And you will experience opposition. It needs to be said. It needs to be understood. Peter knew it, didn't he? Peter knew it. He said to the church, he said, Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trials, which is to try you as though it is some strange thing that is happening unto you. He says, there is to try you, as though it is some strange thing that is happening unto you. People become Christians and suddenly they feel a little ostracised from the world around them, right? And they walk in it and suddenly trouble comes their way. That's the normal Christian life. That's it. They think, man, and sometimes they think, man, that's not how it's meant to be. Yes, it is. Yes, it really is. The normal Christian experience. You have to realise that you have deserted a sinking ship, people, and you are on your way to heaven. So don't be expected to be applauded for it. You're abandoning their ways. Just realise, ship's going down, and you're on your way to glory. Now, so what Paul wanted was the fellowship with Christ... That suffering produced. That's what he wanted. It's not as if he was a masochist. It's not as if that he was in pain, but he knew that suffering ultimately would produce something really good within him. And we have examples of that in the Bible, even in Paul's life. You know, you go to to, 2 Corinthians chapter 12 and Paul talks about the thorn in his flesh, doesn't he? This thorn in his flesh. You, know, you can argue until you get to the Lord what that was. I'm not entering into that argument. But whatever it was, it caused him great pain. To the point where he asked the Lord to take it from him, right? Three times he asked the Lord to take it from him. But each time God said to him, rather, God actually, God promised to him, Paul, no, I'm not going to take that from you, but I'm going to give you the grace to be able to bear it. And as a result of that, the Apostle Paul, this was his discovery. His discovery and his suffering was, therefore, I would rather glory in my weakness. Why? So that the power of Christ might rest upon me. He wanted to know, he wanted to experience that which suffering produces in his life for Christ's sake. We spend all our lives circumnavigating it, don't we? We're sailing in the sea and whenever something comes our way, we want to get out of its way. But God puts those things there for us. It's a secret. It really is. It's a wonderful secret. His suffering drove him to cling to Christ, to rely upon Christ more, well, apart from anything else. See, when we go through tough times, God's going to do one of two things. He's going to do one or two things, right? Either he's going to deliver you from that suffering, right? Or he's going to give you the strength to be able to go through it. Again, we very naturally want God to take it all away from us, right? To take our problems from us. But how often does he allow it to do what? To drive me to Jesus Christ in faith and absolute dependence upon him. I think that Paul is talking about here is the depth of fellowship with God that only comes through hard times. He stop it, right? He wants that comradeship, you might say, with the Lord that is only found on the front line. I mean, you, you talk to ex-servicemen. You talk, you talk to them about the relationships they experience on the front line and just how, well, for many impossible it was for them to separate themselves from those relationships that had become life and death to them. This is what Paul is saying, I want to stand on the front line with Jesus, I want to be completely dependent on him knowing that he will keep me, knowing that he will provide for me, knowing that he will have me doing what he wants me to do. He will bring me into that place of fulfilment for my life. He wants that comradeship. He wants that, you know. It's where life is completely dependent upon him. It's the Christian that knows that apart from Jesus Christ, there is no life to be had. Can you say that? There's no life apart from Christ. It's the Christian that knows that the day is coming, that we will step over a threshold into eternity. And in this life of dependency upon him, when we step over that threshold, we will continue in eternity with him. It starts now. It starts now. It's the richest, deepest place of fellowship that Paul wants. Can I say it a last time? Is that good grammar? A last time? (laughs) That's what I heard last night. That's what really, really blessed me last night. The food was great, Marco, you are. Better every year. but it paled by comparison to hear those voices of faith, those voices of people that just want to know Jesus Christ. This is what Paul said. That I might know him, the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being made conformable unto his death. Here it is. If by any means I might attain unto the resurrection of the dead. This is life as a Christian. This is life as a Christian that is so intimately intertwined with the person dependency upon the person of Christ. My life and my destiny are are entwined with him. Can you feel that? It's entwined with him. It's completely entwined with him. And it's a life, again, I know I said it a moment again, it's a life where you cannot conceive of not having Christ. What a way to be. What a way to live. So ask the question this morning, Christian. Am I growing in a deeper way? Where are my passions? Where are my desires? Where do they rest? Where do they rest? Because truly the only, the only relationship that ultimately matters is the one that I have with Jesus Christ. We got a whole list of relationships going on and you've got to recognise the only one that matters, everything else is dependent upon that relationship. Isn't that incredible? Jesus is like a hinge. I don't know if I should use that analogy. But he's like a hinge that everything else is swinging off of. And if you replace that hinge with any other passion, any other desire, even, no, no, I don't need to, you know what I'm talking about. Um, It's not going to hold you up. It's not going to take you gloriously across that threshold. To hear those words, well done, good and faithful servant, enter into the joy of who? Your Lord. Lord. It's his joy. Incredible. We're going to cross that threshold and we're going to experience the very joy of God emanating from his being. And I think it's going to just, there's another word I heard last night, overwhelmed. And the question was, how did you feel at your back? Overwhelmed, overwhelmed, overwhelmed. Every single one said it. Overwhelmed. Can you imagine how overwhelmed you're going to be when the joy of God emanating from his presence just consumes you? you know? Well, you can't. But you know what? It kind of starts right now. It really does. As you hunger, as you thirst for him, Do you want to know him? you want to know the power of his resurrection? The fellowship of his sufferings, knowing that he is going to do something in you. He is transforming you and he's bringing you to that place. That place where you will, yes, be taken off the easel. And you will be placed upon not an earthly wall, but you will be in a sense in an eternal gallery, right? I like that image better. Because the moment I go off the easel on an earthly, into an earthly gallery, painting begins to fade. It begins to crack. People have to come along. If anybody values it, that is. Most of them just get forgotten about on the wall, right? You might have paintings hanging on your walls at home. You don't even know they're there. You might be walking past them every single day and never see them. So many Christians are like that. They're not even noticed because they're finished. Oh, Let's not be that, hey? Let's wait for God to hang us in heaven where we will shine from his glory that emanates forever. Amen? God bless you. The guys are coming forward. I, I, I think we can worship God with that in mind, can't we? Let's worship him and um, let's rejoice.